The following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. here with another episode of the sit down and i have a very 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 special guest he's one of the funniest humans that i know somebody that i'm happy to call a friend you could catch him online on stage stand-up comic actor we got mike marino in the house today virtual virtually in the house you got me brother it's i got nice to be here <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the sit down that actually doesn't make any sense it's nice to be here i'm not there you're here. You're here in my heart, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Hey, man. I was talking about your wooden spoon that you gave me on my show Tuesday night live from my mother's basement, and I had a few people in my studio audience. And when I picked up that spoon, people were cracking up because the actual end of the spoon is the same size as my head. <laughs> and I told everybody, could you imagine getting cracked in the head? with a spoon like this that puts your mother in jail. <laughs> oh my God, I know, I know it does. We've actually, we've sold a couple of them. On, I've got, we got them on the website right now, we're selling them. And I think it's a great Christmas gift, but I think kids are afraid to buy their parents the big wooden spoon because they know they're gonna get smacked upside the head. With no, the not only that, but that spoon is bigger than the kid. Oh yeah. We got about, they're like three and a half to four feet long, but we customize them and people love them. I remember we were taking them around all the festivals and people were just trying to, we only had two just for show. They were my spoons. So like, oh my, how much for the spoons? How much for the spoons? So enough people asked for them. So now we're selling them. I think the one you gave me when you came here is got to be four feet. Yeah. And it says on the, on the, on the, on the spoon stem, whatever they call it, the stem of the spoon yes. live from my mother's basement. Yeah. Get into that a little bit. Get up to the camera. You can't even read the whole thing because the it's spoon's long. bigger than the camera. <laughs> yeah, so get into that. You do a podcast live from your mother's basement. How did that all start? How did that come to be? <clears throat> well, you know, I got a lot of fans, which is really, really nice. And I was traveling the country doing stand-up. Yeah. So I just kept on doing the whole selfie stick, putting it on my Facebook page, mm -hmm. and more and more people were writing in. And then a couple of people started saying, hey, you know, you should make it a show, call it live from your mother's basement. And, uh, you know, cause I was doing it, Mike Marina live on tour. So I do have the basement, you were in it, and it is old school and fun. So I started getting some sponsors and they were paying for the ads. Mm -hmm. And I got a few more today. I got an unbelievable phone call from a big, big sponsor. And I'm really hoping this is going to happen. It's going to be so awesome, funny. But it's very funny, but it, it works. Not till next year. Of course, hopefully we'll go back out on tour. But it'll yeah. be really good. It'll be good for a lot of us Italian people who like to do funny stuff. I'm excited. That's good. But you got a ton of... Um... I liked when we were in the basement, you have like so much like old school stuff, like just from like throughout your career, like all this stuff that you accumulated. What's like the, what's like the, what's your favorite thing that you've got in the basement? What's your favorite part about being in the Actually, someone in Canada was watching the show this past Tuesday night and made me an offer 
for one of the antiques during the show. Wow. Um, I have a bowling pin from the fast lane in Asbury Park, which was a bowling alley, but more of a rock and roll club. Okay. And rock bands like Springsteen, Bon Jovi, back in the day, used to play on the, on the lanes. So cool. Yeah. So I got one of the bowling pins, and I think he saw it. He's like, I buy one of them pins. And there's another thing from Asbury Park, because Asbury Park, New Jersey, is a legendary place. Yeah. From when it was like, you know, the crumb of the creme in the 20s and 30s, race riots in the 70s or 60s, Bruce Springsteen's coming out of nowhere. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then I started playing there, too. Mm -hmm. That one album in the middle is live from Asbury Park. Oh, cool. A lot of nostalgia. So I stole a lot of stuff from the <laughs> bars, from the theater. Um, there's an actual um, huge poster of me in the other room. That was the marquee when I played the Paramount in Asbury Park mm -hmm. under the light that said greetings from Asbury Park. And at 2 o'clock in the morning when my show was over, I went to my hotel, got changed, and went back to the theater and stole my own marquee. That's freaking awesome, man. They took my own thing. Fuck them. I mean, but like at the end of the day, like you have to be happy you did it. Like you've got all this cool stuff, like just because you did that. So I got memorabilia all over my house from my grandfather's cash register from Italy to my marching band shoes, you know? I know. It's so cool. I know. Um, I feel like just Italians in general, like we, we hold so much nostalgia to things. We just don't get rid of anything. I don't know what to do. I'm in the house I grew up in. Mm -hmm. I have a place in Los Angeles, this place here in New Jersey. And my mother's bedroom is identical to when she passed away. Mm -hmm. I didn't change anything. Mm -hmm. It's like a museum. <laughs> you know, I got pictures of me and my brothers when we were like five and ten. Yeah. My mother's got rosary beads everywhere. <laughs> She's got crosses everywhere. I mean, it still smells like mothballs. <laughs> So what am I supposed to do? You know, I know. I feel I know. like if I get rid of something, I'm gonna die. Oh my god! I know. Yeah, so I'm much superstition. You. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I know. My dad has. He just throughout the years, all the things that he's had, he's had like he just accumulates stuff and just never gets rid rid of it. Like we have, he's got old car parts from stuff that he's never gonna use. The wine presses, all this just crazy. We have a, for some reason a, just a giant clock in the basement. It's just a giant clock, and we have no idea. Like, what are we supposed to do with this giant clock? Might be worth money. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, oh, this could be worth something someday. I got a Rockola jukebox. I got a uh, Victrola. I got a, an accordion from Italy from 1960. Wow. I mean, cool. what do you do with it? I feel like if I give it away, that's the day I need it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Shit, we needed that accordion. I got a Monopoly set from 1965. Oh, man, that's awesome. Still got the pieces. I got G.I. <laughs> Joe dolls, sleds. What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I know. I can't get rid of it, though. It means something. I don't know. What are you going to do? But so what What you been up to lately through um shutdown, through quarantine? Shutdown, lockdown. We're going through it life. again in Buffalo. They just shut down hair salons, gyms. I think they're going to close down restaurants now again. And oh, really? Yeah. Uh, March 15th was my last professional show. I was in Leavenworth, Kansas. Everything went great. 
Nobody really knew anything about the world changing. I flew back to Los Angeles and they said, okay, you ain't going anywhere. I thought it would last a couple of days, a couple mm -hmm. of weeks, a couple of months. Oh my God. Here we are in November. Oh, and all my shows have been canceled into next year. I have three shows in the month of December. I hope they go. Uh, one's in um, Phoenix, Arizona, one's here in New Jersey, and five in Florida. But who knows? <clears throat> you know, I ended up getting COVID about a I month know. ago. How was that, like, experience? Like, were you, like, out for, like, were you out, out? No, well, what happened to me was I started feeling sick. I didn't think too much of it because I had a cold and a cough. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't taste my food. That's went to, I went to a I had a friend. I had a friend of mine. She works in the health in the healthcare industry. And then one day she was like, I can't taste anything. And then she ended up getting coronavirus. Wow. That's what it was. I couldn't taste nothing. I couldn't smell anything. And I'm thinking, man, I'm not that bad of a cook. I know my food tastes <laughs> pretty good. So I went to the emergency room, and that's when they slap you full of all the stuff. And <clears throat> they let me go after two hours. I get the phone call, saying you got COVID, <clears throat> and uh, quarantine for two weeks, take a Z-pack, and here I am. There you are. That's it. Well, I made definitely it. Yeah, definitely happy uh, that you're feeling better. I know some people not around, and I know some people got really, really sick, and of yeah. course, when you watch the news, whoa. I know. I feel like it's either like really, really bad or some people just kick it in a, in a day and they're just fine. It's Had the president do it. <laughs> maybe he lied. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But, but then he got all the people in the cabinet and they got sick. Yeah. What happened? I don't know. It's a, it's a weird world we're living in right now for sure. But you were doing some funny videos to make America Italian again. How did, um like, was that like... When did you come up with the idea? 2016, when that all started? Yeah. Uh, I got a great group of people that we uh, film and, and do a bunch of stuff. And uh, when we were doing the, the web series, Make America Italian Again, about me running for president with the boys, again, a lot of laughs. Mm -hmm. People were having a lot of fun. It was clean comedy. And uh, we didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but it did. Start again, yeah. big, big numbers. I saw people at Italian festivals with the Make America Italian Again shirts. Yeah, yeah. Well, all saw, over Buffalo, Pittsburgh, all over the place. I was selling tons of shirts. And the shirt said, Make America Italian Again. Then I, was, uh, I had shirts that said, Marino 2020 mm -hmm. in the front. So we had a limited edition Marino 2020 shirts. And then, you know, technically I didn't win. I'm still counting. I'm doing a recount. You need a recount. I've been calling my guys. I'm like, look, you need to count. Something <laughs> right. You know, we were supposed to corner the market. What happened? So I came out with shirts that say Marino 2024. <laughs> Perfect. What the now, heck? You should team up with Kanye West. You guys should run for president, president and VP. Yeah, I'll do whatever. <laughs> I hope that we could start shooting videos again. I want to do the series again, um, make America Italian again, or whatever we call it. We're just here to make people laugh. For sure, you were you doing it with? Uh, we have a mutual friend, um, Robert Nash, the De Niro guy. You were doing. Oh no, kid! 
Yeah, he's uh, from Buffalo. Robert Nash. He fell into that Robert De Niro thing in all, in the web series, and he was dynamite. He's funny. I like him a lot. We've done a lot of shows together. I know. I got to get him on the podcast because I met him a couple times just throughout through just Buffalo, the Italian festival, and all that. He would just come through the Italian festival every year and do his thing. He's funny. Yeah, well, let's hope the festivals start again because no festivals, no shows, no concerts, no Broadway, no rock and roll, no rappers. What are we doing? I don't know, man. I know it's tough because then you see people going to Walmart and, and droves and they're all next to each other. So why can't? Eh, what are you going to do? I went to Target today and don't be mad at me, but you know what I bought? You got to understand I live alone. <laughs> all right. I bought frozen meatballs in a bag. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't buy ragu. I make my own sauce. Yeah. I call it gravy. But I saw these meatballs, the 12 meatballs in a bag. I'm like, how bad could it be? I don't know. I mean, we people eat McDonald's. <laughs> Sometimes it just works. I don't blame I don't know what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. Yeah. When you're a solo guy, you very seldom get invited before pandemic. Yeah. You know? Well, you're more than welcome here. <laughs> I go to a soup kitchen and hand out bird parts. <laughs> I don't know. But, like, I mean, just even before all this, like, um, let's kind of get into, like, your career. How'd you get into stand-up comedy, to, like, to begin with, though? Oh, uh, I've been an actor since I'm a child. I've always wanted to be on television. Mm-hmm. So I grew up doing TV commercials from when I was about 14 years old. I would drive from New Jersey or take the bus, actually, take the bus from New Jersey to New York and go on auditions and stuff like that. When I was 28, 29, everybody kept saying, you have a flair for comedy, you're funny, you're funny. So I moved to Los Angeles to see if I couldn't get on television, and that's where I joined the uh, comedy store. So I go to the comedy store every night of the week with a bunch of guys who became stars. And they were just small, no names back then. Yeah, and wasn't the comedy store like go through a transition or something from like back in the day? And then, I don't know. I just hear, you always hear about things about the comedy store. In my opinion, the comedy store went through a lot of different transitions. Because in the original day when they first opened, you know, I was nowhere near there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even old enough. I might not even have been born. Yeah. And uh, they had all those comics that were doing what they were doing back in the day when it was surging. Then in the 80s, I think it started to slow down uh, comedy. And then in the 90s, when I was at the comedy store, that's when it was kind of empty. There wasn't that many people there. And they didn't think the comedy store was actually going to survive. Yeah. I mean, I have posters of names of me, Joe Rogan, Joe Diaz, Andrew Dice Clay, Wheels Parisi, all these guys. Oh, my God. Can you imagine selling a ticket to that show right now? (laughs) <laughs> and people were getting in for free back in that day. Man. But then again, nobody knew the names of these comedians yet. Um, Sebastian Maniscalco, Mike Ricca, a, a lot of guys who went on to become big names, Brett Ernst, just to name a few. And uh, you got to think, that's also in a time where there was no such thing as social media. So nobody yeah. was really keeping in touch with everybody. Mm-hmm. And to invite people to a show, you had to hand them a flyer that you made at Kinko's. The different world. So, you know, some guys sell out Madison Square Garden these days. Thank God for social media. But Andrew Dice Clay sold out Madison Square Garden long before anybody. That's so true. That's very true. I, didn't, I never really thought of it like that. That's a good point. 
Yeah, no social media. So that's what cut my, my teeth and that's what got me into stand-up. But now I'm addicted. And before the COVID hit, you know, I was lucky enough to be doing, you know, some theaters where there were 1,000, 1,500 people. It's awesome. Coming to see me talk about whatever it is that I wanted to talk about. Now, I remember when, because um, you actually got me in touch with Tammy Pescatelli originally. She was the first person I did a podcast with, The Wooden Spoon. So thank you for that. But she was telling me that back in the day, she would do bits about being Italian-American. And they would kind of like her, like her people and management would like almost steer her away from doing like Italian content. Did that ever yeah. happen to you? Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry I didn't mention her name because... She's in that category, yeah. uh, the the comedy store, and I'm good friends with Tammy. And she's awesome. She's she hilarious. Was, she was kicking butt back in the day as well as a female, because there weren't that many females kicking ass like she was. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a good amount, but she was one of the top names in the '90s, as far as I'm concerned, and still is. Still is. We've done a lot of shows together. Um, yeah, there were times where people would say, "Too Italian, too Italian, too much of this, too much of that." But, you know, everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. Just the other day, I was watching Ray Romano at Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, probably the early 80s, late 70s. All he talked about was living at home with his mother in the basement, having chairs with the, the plastic on it, yeah. and how to ask for food. And his whole set was about being Italian. Back and he ended up getting a TV series. Yeah. So, yeah. The truth is what's funny. Mm -hmm. You could stop people from talking about dating. Mm -hmm. Every new comedian, every, every new person on the block talks about dating because that's what's going on in their life. For sure. I know. Like, one of, I mean, one of my, like, this is one, probably one of my favorite all-time sketches. Before, like, we were even in touch, like, your Italian for president, the um, Italian-American president sketch. I think that yeah. was one of the one of my favorites of like all time bits it's crazy how that happened because i didn't even think that was one of my big bits mm -hmm. i didn't think that was a big part of my repertoire i was doing like all kinds of other stuff but i did that on the byron allen show mm -hmm. and for some reason or other that just ignited a frenzy around the world man the first year i think it was at like five million views the second third year it hit like 16 million oh jeez, i know that's, and that's also just before youtube and just before social media so i didn't even get anything other than a little bit of fame i know because you think about it like burt kreischer that's how he got famous he posted his machine story or something on facebook and then it just blows up yeah so that's crazy. So who are like, um, do you, do you go back to the comedy store at all? Are you doing sets there at all or ever when you're in LA? Well, what happened was the last time I was at the comedy store, the talent coordinator moved to, to a different place. So I started playing the Laugh Factory and the Laugh Factory became my home club. And I was managed by the club for a little while. So I didn't go back to the Laugh Factory. It's been a really long time. I mean, I would like to. Uh, now, of course, these clubs aren't even open. So who yeah. knows what the hell's going to happen? I know it's so sad because I mean like even like all the helium clubs helium's the big club over here but like there's nothing and that's like the one I was saying the other day I was like that's the one thing that I miss more than anything not going to get drinks like I miss going to see comedy shows because that's like I love stand-up comedy that's like like one of my favorite things to listen to is stand-up so what's the story with helium do you know I don't know anything I just know that they're not allowed to do shows I mean we've yeah. got really strict we have a very strict governor I guess that's all I'll say and 
not really allowed to do <laughs> not really allowed to do much. Yeah, there's a lot of people talking about what's going on in the world, and of course, most of the entertainment uh, places are closed because mm -hmm. you know it's not like they were really going there for food, get snacks. Now, did you think about doing like outdoor shows? Did you do any anything like that? Because I know people I were going. Yeah. I did a series of outdoor shows, maybe 500 people, 300 people. You know, it's not the same. You know, I did some Zoom shows. It's not the same, but uh, got to stay sharp somehow. I'm hoping that uh, the vaccine comes around, cures everybody, and then we go back to being normal. Yeah, we can hope. I mean, I've seen good things about that, so we'll see. But um, yeah, how are you like, because what's like your joke writing process like? And then how are you kind of doing that? Are you like writing still like through all this time? Do you have like COVID material that we could expect? Yes and no, because to some people, it, they're affected by COVID with disaster. That's true. Some people are going to sit in that audience and say, hey, man, that's not funny. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Yeah. You know, some people uh, experience death, torture. <clears throat> We've all lost friends. So I don't know where anybody's going to find the humor. There is some things that I've said that were pretty good so far, mm -hmm. like social distancing. Yeah. I did a joke. I says, you know, uh, we've had social distancing in New Jersey my whole life. It's called get the hell away from me. <laughs> you know, pretty easy. That's fun. Yeah. But I mean, even before this, like, what's like the joke writing process like for you? Are you someone that like writes it down first or do you kind of just like nah. something, something just happens and you go on stage? I said, I went on a date and I said, I got to check your temperature. <laughs> <laughs> And I says, oh, are you hot? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can make this shit up left and right. It just comes. You could say you only have a rectal thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got to check it. Good for you. That's good. I got to check your temperature. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> That's freaking awesome, though. But um, some I did a really dirty joke. I could do a clean version of it. Um, I did get nervous when I couldn't taste anything. Mm-hmm. I kept tasting peanut butter because that yeah. would be a really good, yeah. um, whatever that would be, that you, you, peanut butter. I couldn't smell it either. But I uh, went to the bathroom one day and they did number two and I smelt it and said, oh, thank God I'm cured. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. I'm good to go. Oh, thank yeah, God. There's, there's, there's stuff like that, that that's funny. That's harmless, I think, in my opinion, at least. But um, It's harmless. Yeah. So another question I have for you, how'd you get like um, in contact with like Joe Gorga and doing shows with him? Did he, was something like he reached out to you? Cause, cause you're like, when I think of stand-up comedy in Jersey, you're definitely on the top of that list. So is that? Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Um, what had happened was he has a mutual friend and that friend is with a management company that I work with. Nice. So the management company said, Hey, Joe Gorga wants to do some stand-up. He's on Jersey Housewives. And I really wasn't familiar with the show, but I was familiar with what his sister does. Yeah. So he said he'd like to meet me for lunch. We went to this place for lunch and we hit it off like buddies. He seemed like a cool dude. And I said to him, Look, you want to go do some shows? Let's go do it. So me, him, and Tammy Pascatelli. No, it's a, such a great lineup. 
Yeah, we were going to do a series of like four big theaters. Mm-hmm. So Tammy and I took turns helping him with some dialogue because Tammy's an unbelievable writer. And uh, he came over my house for like two weeks straight every day doing his routine, the way he sees life, mm-hmm. the way he hangs out with his mother and his family. Uh, so we did this one show and majority of the audience went to go see him. Yeah. Because he's on the show. So I said to Tammy, you go in the middle and I'll host the show instead of closing the show. We'll let him go up last. Yeah. Let the audience see what he does. I mean, I really was teaching him everything. He got like 10 years in two weeks. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. He did great. Yeah. I mean, I hate to admit it, but I've I've watched New Year's House. My mom is obsessed with that show. So like I knew him through that then when i saw you guys connect i was like oh this is gonna be freaking awesome and then i thought like oh my god i would love to bring you guys to buffalo but unfortunately couldn't do it this year well eventually you can i still talk to joe from time to time but we canceled i think six big theaters yeah and then they recanceled and recanceled so push back six months push back six months push back a couple of months so who knows what's going to happen, but um, I believe he's still taping the show. I don't know. Yeah. They got to be. They got to be doing that. These TV networks aren't going to lose there. I got to hand it to him. He's got balls. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> he don't care. He's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm like, go ahead. He seems like just like a really crazy but fun person. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. Awesome. His wife's nice. His friends were great. So cool. Yeah, so I mean, like, what's next for you? Just doing the podcast, doing <laughs> some social media stuff for the time being? Staying up on social media, doing shows like yours. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, push me on everything you want. Tell everybody. So you could use my bits all over your sites, no problem. And then uh, I did do a, a TV series last year. No. At the beginning, yeah, last year, 2018, called... Um, Silent Partners, and I play uh, little Leo, who's an underboss to a big shot out of Miami. So if this show gets picked up, I'll be on the new Sopranos. Awesome. That's exciting. So where could everybody find you? What's your website, your social medias? On YouTube, it's YouTube forward slash Mike Marino Live. All my social media is Mike Marino Live. Awesome. And then we'll put that in the description. But um, Mike, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I'm before like I was, I'm, I hope that we could call each other friends and I'm happy to. But um, oh, we're friends, man. Huge. Let's make some stuff happen. Come over. I need a new spoon. I can't get my new, the spoon you gave me in the pot. It's too big. Okay. We'll, we'll, thin, we'll thin one out. It's too but, big. Um, <laughs> huge. But I mean, I'm a huge fan too, even before we connected. So I can't thank you enough for being on the show. We'll uh, stay in touch, and hopefully the new year comes around. We'll do some stuff together, do some shows, some podcasts, and have a lot of fun. You have my cell phone number. Remember, you don't know nothing, you don't see nothing, you don't say nothing, then don't take no shit from nobody. Awesome. Well, that'll do it, guys. Thanks. This is another episode of The Sit Down. Go follow Mike everywhere on social media. Listen to his podcast. Honestly, one of the funniest people I know. So take care, guys.
Thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Sit Down. We appreciate it. And we would appreciate it even more if you left a five-star review or subscribe to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Share it with all your Italian-American friends. Follow us on social media. We really, really appreciate it. Second thing is, it is November. So we actually have a Movember campaign going to raise awareness for men's health and also raise money for men's health. So in the description of this video, wherever you're listening to it, is a link. If you could, please donate money. It is for an awesome cause. And the last order of business is the Wooden Spoon Media. The Wooden Spoon Media is a social media marketing agency that works with a variety of clients, helps them grow their business over social media. So if you know somebody or you in business and you're looking to grow, feel free to contact us at thewoodenspoonmedia at gmail.com. Thank you guys and have an awesome day.